really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holler if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we living. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? Peace, everyone. Peace. Uh, again, my name is Jamar Jabari, and welcome to another episode um, of the Jabari Vlog Podcast. Um, we are I'm streamed every single where. So if they ever try to get rid of me on YouTube or any other uh, platforms like Facebook, you can catch it anywhere. Just put in Jamar Jabari, um, Jamar uh, Jabari Vlog Podcast, and you can catch these episodes. I'm very, very. Um, happy about the journey on all these episodes and the growth and the feedback that I've been receiving from people. Um, we're always keeping it music, politics, and culture um, on this podcast. And again, this is another uh, related segment that we're going to get into um, where we talk about Peru. Um, the last time we spoke uh, with Dillinger uh, Wilder, um, he was a great comrade out in Florida that talked about the importance of standing in solidarity with the working class in Peru and also spreading awareness of what happened to their previous president, uh, Castelio. Castelio. Um, and we are going to talk about that and also talk about the struggle that the working class is going through in Peru. And I'm also one to focus on because of it is women's uh, history month. Very, very important to center the struggle of what women go through. Thomas Sankara has spoke about without the liberation of women. And this is a paraphrase. I can get <laughs> the actual quote, but he talked about what, that there is no true liberation without women's struggle. Um, you have to, you have to stand in solidarity and men, you need to shut the fuck up and also listen and then learn to advocate for women um, instead of this red pill nonsense that I see that's going on in the Americas. Um, without further ado, though, I want to get into my special guest, uh, Claw O'Brien. And if I said your name incorrectly, I am so sorry. <laughs> all good. All good. It's pronounced Clau or it's short for Claudia. Cla Okay, so Clow, I apologize. No, all good. Thank you. How's it going, Jamar? Yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out uh, to come on to the show. Um, she is always in the field. Um, can you talk about the work that you do? Um, and you are a journalist, right? Yeah. Um, so I came. I, I'm really. I'm an organizer uh, with Black Alliance for Peace in the Haiti Americas mm -hmm. team. I'm also Peruvian and I was born here in Lima and at, uh, when I was six in 92, and I'm 92, we moved to the States, uh, to New Jersey. 
uh, during the Fujimori dictatorship after there was a massacre in Barrios Altos, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came back um, the day before the general strike started here on January 4th. And, you know, again, I, like I said, I'm an, I'm an organizer and also, you know, have um, connections with like independent and, you know, indie press uh, in the States and elsewhere. So I figured it makes sense that, and, and people on the ground have been asking um, that there be independent alternative press because mm. uh, the press here is fully bought out um, right. daily. They have, they bombard the airwaves um, with just horrific, horrible lines saying that everyone here is terrorist and uh, that there is literally an invasion in Lima, meaning that the people from other places of Peru um, are, are like immigrants in their own country. That That is the level of dis, uh, just complete inequality and discrimination um, that we've really been seeing, not just since the, um, the coup of, of Castillo, but really since, um, since the second uh, round of elections where, right. you know, I mean, I guess really before in the first round of elections, we see that, you know, someone that comes from Cajamarca, one of the northern provinces, you know, is a son of um, illiterate campesinos, uh, is a rondero himself, a teacher and union leader, could, could never, you know, ascend to the presidency in Lima. And, right. and so the, the same outrage and hatred, really, um, that they had towards Castillo during this presidency, during the year and a half um, that he he was not allowed to even govern, really. Um, we see that now uh, reflected in how they treat protesters and, and people that are just coming out into the streets to demand that that our vote actually just be respected. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I, you know, really just came here to be with my family. Also, I have a lot of family here. Um, but, yeah, now I have have been organizing and, and reporting and documenting the struggle. Uh, thank you. Um, and the uprising is still continuing. And I am so uh, disappointed, which I shouldn't be surprised, in the mainstream Western media on how they ignore this. And they just continue to put the attention on Ukraine 24-7 when there are other struggles that they can bring attention to, which I feel that can educate the American community, um, especially because a lot of people, and I'm not trying to say that all Americans think this way, but when I get into a conversation with the working class, which is always important, um, there's a lot of them that assume that the only issue is that Mexico is the problem and that there's Mexicans 24 seven that are coming to the border. They, it's as if they see that whole entire part of uh, South America as being a Mexico uh, country in a way. And and when there's multiple countries and multiple different um, people from different backgrounds and and different cultures and tribes, just like how Africa is viewed as one country as well too, when it's a goddamn continent (laughs) of of about 54 nations. But... (laughs) It's um, right. I, I, it's kind of very sad how bad the disconnect is because you have to automatically go through the educational process first and then address why the immigration issue 
is an issue, in fact, when we have a CIA gov- uh, CIA uh, intelligence that have toppled over 50 uh, uh, countries within Latin America. And this is one of these uh, situations that we're seeing here, which I would not be surprised. Um, but other yeah. than that, um, the up the uprising in Peru. You were ta- you were uh, covering um, what happened to the Y Amara, and am I saying that correctly? I want to make sure I uh, respect the days. Aymara, 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 and the Kachi, yeah. the Kachi. Aymara and Quechua. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Needs to work on my Spanish and, and everything. So these are these are two different. Um, these are two two different indigenous groups um, mm-hmm. throughout the Andes. Um, I mean, just in Peru alone, we have well over uh, almost a hundred different indigenous groups and languages. Um, right. The majority coming from the Amazon, uh, but Aymara and Quechua are, are um, probably the the bigger groups, uh, indigenous groups in the Andes, the mountain ranges. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of like because um, my my. Um... I'm learning about my indigenous side when we are Halawa Saponi and also um, um, Natawe and Maharan tribe. Um, what is in the modern day what the colonizers called the state of Virginia um, in North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and we always say that our our cousins are in Latin America. We consider our cousins Latin, uh, in Latin America, that they have the right to come here and they should be let in, and which is a very, very big part of solidarity and showing how deep the indigenous struggle is. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and definitely just like historically, um, pre-European contact, there was contact between the Americas, uh, you right. know, many indigenous tribes uh, from the South. So we call it um, eagle and condor, right? So eat the bald eagle in the U.S. and in South right. America is a condor. So we, we often talk about it, refer to it as um, the laguila del condor. So we've, mm-hmm. we've always had contact with each other. There were, uh, there were delegations that would go to the um, uh, Sioux Confederacy meetings, you know, so we, we didn't colonize each other, which is the difference, right? But there right. was definitely contact. Right. And that's something that that needs to be taught here in the states because there's such a disconnect. They even think that these tribes don't exist anymore. A lot of people Absolutely. that are, <laughs> but um, yeah. The up. So, what is the situation now on ground, especially uh, with, with with tribal people, which you know it's definitely worse compared yeah. to what happens with the state gets involved with massacring indigenous mm-hmm. people. Uh, for listeners to understand. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the other day, just the other day was uh, on the 7th was the three month anniversary of the coup. Um, so many, 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 uh, I would say thousands of um, uh, people from campesinos, from just from all the other regions, the 25 regions in Peru um, that are coming, that came in pretty much since the start and have been coming in um, since since the coup started in December, on December 7th. Um, organizing, having mobilizations every day, speak outs, vigils, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, every, there has not been a day that ha- there, there have not been mobilizations um, in protest against the massacres. Uh, right now we're 
And these are low estimates, right? I, honestly, at this point, we've lost count. Um, right. But at least 85 deaths uh, oh, in man. those three months, um, close to 1,000, um, maybe more at this point, um, severely injured, close to 1,000 disappeared that are likely actually, you know, already massacred. Um the, it is predominantly happening in the, in the provinces and, and, this, and especially in the south, Uno, uh, which is the southernmost region and it borders Bolivia, uh, mm-hmm. had its bloodiest, the bloodiest day uh, so far of the coup was January 9th in Culiacá, Uno, where 18 um, people were massacred in one day. Um, it was a, a bloodbath. Um, and, and every region, honestly, can, can tell you a different story of a different bloodbath. Um, so this is a basically a, um, uh, it's, it's not just one area like Lima. This is it happening in yeah. the entire region yeah. of Peru. Yeah. Yeah. So in Lima, obviously, it's, it, and it's less concentrated in Lima. There's fewer people that are, and that's because Lima is the, is, the capital, right? This is where right. the bourgeoisie lives. This is where the ruling class lives. This right. is also where probably some of the poorest residents um, in Peru live in the in the barrios, right? Um, right. So a lot of the uh, provinciano, the compañeros from provincia, say is that you know at least we're able to grow our food. You know, like I see some people in the barrios that like have nothing. Um, yeah. And li- live in like sh- what are what are you know shanty towns still, um, and and so yeah the the inequality here has has reached boiling points and and these three months that's something that you know everyone on the ground can tell you is like we've woken up right this is not something that just started you know a year and a half ago when Castillo was elected this is the last six presidents have been overthrown by this um, coup Congress that's dominated by the right wing and the hard right. right. Uh, even before that, you know, we still have the 93 constitution, which was uh, rammed through during the Fujimori dictatorship, which by law privatizes all of our resources. And right. the reason this coup happened now is that because a lot of the contracts, the, the legal contracts for all of our resources are due to expire later this year. Right. So mm-hmm. what the hard right needed to happen was oust a popularly elected president that was actually talking about, if not even full nationalization, but at least state control of our industries. Right. It had to happen. They had to right coup the president. And, it, and of course, the U.S. Certainly Lisa Kenna, the uh, U.S. ambassador to Peru, uh, who's former CIA, right, and was basically of one of uh, Pompeo's like top, you know, advisors. Um, she I met with the Pompeo. Minister of Defense. Yeah, yeah, she met with the Minister of Defense. But, but, right, like, okay, elected during or during Trump, and was Pompeo's uh, prime minister uh, or or whatever advisor, um, but still under the Biden regime, right? Like, it's this right. the same, whatever. We know it's the same, you know, the ruling class in, in extravagance in the U.S. has two parties. Yep. Um, but, you know, so similar here, right? There's there's actually many liberal, hard right, right parties that have, that literally um, are, are what we consider coup plotters, right? Um, mm-hmm. The Minister of Defense met with Lisa Canada the day before, accepted, you know, luggages, I'm sure, 
uh, U.S. dollars that are now being used to pay police and people in the armed forces bonuses up to three months, four months for massacring, for killing our people. Um, Lisa Kenna also met with Dina Boluarte, who's the, the coup leader, uh, maybe a couple days before all uh, before the coup happened. So of course, you know the U.S. We understand the U.S. is behind this. Um, many of the mobilizations. Many. I mean, just yesterday, or or maybe now two days ago, uh, the Southcom General Commander Laura Richardson at a con congressional hearing was talking about just exactly how rich in resources this our region is, meaning Latin America, right? Um, I guess the U.S. still considers front yard, backyard, doesn't matter. The Monroe Doctrine is alive and well, right? Um, 200 years later, actually in December, it'll be the 200 year anniversary of this murderous, uh, you know, regime of the Monroe Doctrine that continues, that continues. And, and, you know, right now we're seeing the people of the Andes suffer the consequences as per usual. And, you know, it's sad that this is what they show on TV. They don't want to show the murders and the killings and the the national strike and how people are literally, like, opposing their government. Um, last month, they literally had this puppet, this puppet, uh, um, is she, was, will we call her a dictator? Is that a good term to call her? She's a dictator, yeah. Yes. She, uh, here on the ground, she's she's known as, people don't call her president because she's not. No one elected right. her to be president. Um, you know, she sold out the people. Um, right. Boasted that she's an indigenous, and continues to do so, that she's an indigenous woman from the from the provinces. Wow, way to just. No one, no <laughs> one. No, literally, so, so you're massacring your own people is what you're saying. Right. Um, Right, but but yeah, people here call her uh, usurper, usurpadora, right. because she's yeah. not. No one elected her to be president. No one elected her to govern for the hard right. She's a puppet of the Fujimorista, Montesinista, the U.S. Um, yeah, she she is, is going to pay what she has done, and not just her, right? All of everyone politically, mm -hmm. and uh, from every rank needed. Um, We'll face justice. Yeah, she literally was on, she did a press conference and she was saying that everything is fine. Everything is okay. Yeah. That's what, that's she what we heard. That. Yeah. Like, excuse me. No, it's not, lady. And just like what happened to yeah. that person in Bolivia, it's going to happen to you too. Exactly. And it's just a matter exactly. of time. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah, I think Jenny and has just got some, like, a. Uh, certificate in in sewing or something so you know she can do the same thing <laughs> you know here's the thing like i i i i love how you know the smoke and mirrors and i spoke i speak to people personally about this so they could get a full understanding of what's happening and it is it, it's very important to have these conversations because the western media will not show you the actual truth yeah. And so it's, I know that people get frustrated, um, just always explaining what's going on, but we got to have that patience, people that are listening to have that conversation with people that don't know, because there's a lot of solidarity that could come out and a lot of good things and awareness that could mm -hmm. come out of it. And if they don't listen, then, you know, just don't, don't, 
but give them time. It's like Michael Mech said, there was a time that you didn't know what you what, what you know now. So patience is a yeah. very important thing. Um when you say, yes, gotta keep on them organizing. And when you said that she's about to, you know, reap what she sow, um, are you seeing that even through the midst of the repression? that there is a strong chance for Juan Castillo to come back? Or were we looking like a situation in Bolivia where we uh, where they elected a different president besides Evo, Evo Morales uh, coming back? Right. Yeah, well, so Pedro Castillo um, was just- Oh, I'm sorry, I said Juan. <laughs> All good. Um, Pedro Castillo was um, just given three years um, as a like sentence to three years for mm -hmm. supposed right treason and whatever um which would run out the time that um he's he's supposed to be at in presidency in uh, his administration is supposed to be from 2021 to 2026. okay um right so they have him as a political prisoner this is the lawfare we see we and we have seen since day one of his administration from peru is a lot for those similar that happened with Dilma Rousseff and, and then eventually Lula, what's happening mm -hmm. now in Argentina, right? So mm -hmm. I say, I, I definitely say this as organizers, as, as you know, people on the, um, on the revolutionary left, um, that the hard right is very international. They coordinate, they, you know, literally send people to each other's places when things, Things are hot, right? Um, so I think that that's something that you know we should we should acknowledge and and learn to to, to struggle with, right? Like if they're right. there, right? Um, so right. so yeah, I think that um, you know I'm not I. It's tough. It's tough to tell right now if he will mm -hmm. actually, you know, if if this dictatorship will fall, um, and exactly at what point. Um, I mean, I think definitely once when certain uh, one thing is for certain is that people will be out in the streets every day, regardless. Uh, right. And the and the primary um, demand of the people is the liberty and restitution of our president. Right, everything else will follow. Right, mm -hmm. meaning um, because the the vacancy with the impeachment was not done in a legal manner, it's actually null and void. Uh, right, so in in right. within their own dictatorial. Um, Constitution, you need 104 votes to formally impeach someone. There, there's a couple other stipulations, um, including uh, debate time and having a lawyer present. All of these things didn't happen, right? They got to 101 votes. They still impeached him. They, you know, and, and immediately arrested him as he was going. Yeah. All, all of this um, has was actually done illegally, even according to their own laws. And multiple things have happened, right? Obviously, a dictatorship isn't even going to follow its own laws. Right. We see, right, the, the cops can flagrantly just, in the U.S., can flagrantly just, their laws don't matter to them, right? So it's very similar here. <laughs> their laws, laws don't matter to them. Mm -hmm. um, and they get mad when you, when you uh, remind them. They, they get yeah, mad when you remind exactly. them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, yo... Even under your constitution, you didn't do this right. And then, right. you know, they'll just say like, well, you're a terrorist. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, you can't even Jesus. argue with that. Right. <laughs> right. And, you yeah. know, I think it's very, very important um, to, to to give that that cross mm -hmm. that so people can understand the comparisons. 
and you mentioned the budget as well too that they are giving out um to continue this repression and it's the same yeah. type of budget if, if even though it's probably smaller than ukraine but it's the same type of money that they give out in ukraine too to keep the police force going to to even give right. them health care um yeah. which is insane that they could give universal health care to countries they want to destroy so yeah. they can make a dollar but they can't give universal yeah. health care to their own american citizens yeah. it's 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 it's, well, it's kind of astounding the investment they yes give. yes and also they're ramming through all of the austerity like you know wishes that they've had for the past three decades right so just i guess this miss probably a little over a little under a month ago a few weeks ago they raised the age of retirement from 65 to 75 um yeah. right wow. just uh yesterday or a couple days ago they uh now is a decree under congress that the state is authorized to manage any press right so like independent press and and even you know some of the press here that at first and, and during Castillo's presidency and administration was, um, you know, were the liberals that were saying like, oh, he's a dictator, he's like, you know, Maduro, whatever. Now they see the consequences of what, right. you know, pandering to the right means. And, and they've, you know, now, now they've gone to like actually reporting on the crimes of the state and everything. Um, one of their, one of the reporters for uh, La Repubblica in Ilave um, had was documenting as um, soldiers that had been uh, given commands by their uh, superiors to cross a river in Ilave that that you can't even the most trained you know swimmer uh, could not do that right so six six soldiers died and many of them were rescued by their own parents by the, by the same people that are you know organ that are organizing that are involved right so. There's definitely a sentiment on the ground, especially in provincias, that the the sons of the of the people are the ones that are in the military in order to massacre the people. So now there's there is starting to be a wave of uh, military that are resigning and um, joining forces with the people. Um, we hope that that spreads. That's absolutely great, um, and I really do hope that it spreads too, because it. it it I, that's some things I think about as well. I'm just when you look at how these dictatorships go, I think about I'm like, aren't you related to any of these people that you're like being ordered to repress? Like I I really don't think that they are are protecting their families while while their children are out there actively uh, killing people. Um, but then you, I also look at how there's a disconnect because with in the Israel situation, those are actually just, you know, Zionist Israelis right. that are uh, repressing uh, Palestinians. Yeah. So just seeing this as being a very personal thing with Peru, uh, just like how it's very personal with Ukraine, um, is just very um, mind boggling that this can happen when it's really that mm -hmm. close. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, last question because I see we're almost on time. Um, so, what, what, where, where can people find your work? Um, I have the Twitter handles here as well too. 
um, where else can people find your work? And is there anything other plugins that people should listen to as well so they can stay updated with Peru? Yeah, um, so you can um, follow, yeah, follow my work on Twitter. Uh, I've been posting a lot, uh, mostly like the daily marches that I've been going to and, and documenting and um, some interviews. Um, I write, uh, I've also been writing weekly updates for Black Agenda Report, um, so you can catch me there. Um, in written form, um, I uh, have Patreon also, you can catch me there. Uh, everything is made public because, I, like I said, all this information. Uh, the goal is that this is evidence once that this uh, eventually either goes to international human rights courts or once we overturn the coup and then there's actual justice mm -hmm. uh, for the massacres. This is all evidence. Uh, so my Patreon is made fully public, but if anyone would like to support, that would be great. Um, I'll make sure for, the link is below. Uh, thank you. It's um, Clau Brian Moscoso. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, you know, uh, Black Alliance for Peace, we always uh, have statements out. Um, and next month, we'll be launching our Zone of Peace campaign um, from the Caribbean and DC. Um, so yeah, just make sure to stay tuned. So there was, uh, and I have to recall, let me pull them up, but there was this uh, uh, candidate for the FIU, Florida International University, um, what do you might call it, Senate, right? Like the student Senate. And he had right. spoken about uh, basically solidarity with Cuba. His name is Daniel Salubsit. And uh, Otaola, who's this gusano, he just went off and, and targeted him. But yesterday, uh, Daniel won. The progressive candidate won. Uh, oh, wow. Somebody the record in solidarity with Cuba. So in reality, the, the gusanos, they're a minority, but they're a loud minority. Mm -hmm. We just got to get the silent majority uh, to speak up. And we have to show it. You know, a lot of, a lot of reactionaries use the term silent minority. Uh, and they intend to keep them silent, right? Because they're the voice of the silent minority. Right, right. But in reality, we need the majority to speak up uh, just a bit. Because if they all speak just a bit, you pretty much drown out the, the loud minority, the obnoxious minority. Right, right. So so basically, which I, I thought, you know, in Florida that um, the Grisanos had a huge following. Because that's what they always talk about. The Republican Cubans, they are always... You know, they, they got political power there. They get a say of what's going on. But I don't live in Florida. So right. I've always thought that um, they they had a strong majority there. But it's good to hear that there are a lot of Cuban uh, population that actually know what's going on more. And it's just that they're quiet. Like, you know, it reminds me of like Vietnamese people that come here um, that are quiet about the communism in North Vietnam. But when you talk to them, they're like, yeah. I support, I support socialism. I do and all this stuff, and, but they don't really like say it out loud. <laughs> That's the things that the reactionary Vietnamese complain about, right? Because they're like, right. oh, our young people that fight for human rights, they only fight for domestic human rights. That is to say, in the United States, mm. uh, they want them to fight for human rights in Vietnam. But right. a lot of these young Vietnamese Americans are like, pause. Like the only person <laughs> violating human rights out here was the United States. I don't know what right. you're talking about. Like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, one one interesting um, data point, if you will, is that more Cuban Americans in Florida 
voted for Bernie Sanders than for Joe Biden. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, the MAGA gusanos, if you will, uh, they're going to vote for whoever the fuck's running for as a Republican, right? Whether it's Marco Rubio or Charlie Chris. They're, they're party hacks. They're, they're like partisans. They're never going to vote outside of the Republican Party, right? They wouldn't vote for a, a libertarian, if you will, right? Or any form of right populist that is, doesn't have an R next to their name. But they're a minority. The, the Cuban population, uh, especially the ones who just got here who are not U.S. citizens, they recognize a lot of nuances. And the gusanos, like the older gusanos, they hate that because they try to create stories. Yeah. Uh, and then the guy they're talking to is like, bro, I was there like two months ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> more about Cuba than you. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and not only that, that one of the, the major points of the, of the historical gusanos, if you will, is that they want to get their uh, land back. Right. They want to get their buildings back, their businesses, their industry back. And the, the Cubans who come here now, even the ones who are gusanos, right, they're poor as fuck. They're not going to get yeah. shit. If, if, if socialism were to fall in Cuba right now, they would be homeless. Yeah. They would be, be in the worst situation, straight Seriously. up. So in a way, it's like, mm, they're like, yeah, well, I don't know. Like Otaola, all the paid gusanos, they have no intention in going back to Cuba. They have no intention in, in doing anything with Cuba other than getting paid, right? They're they're the ultimate right-wing grifters. Right. Because in a way, it's like they especially those that oppose us, right? They they wanna sh- say or they wanna portray that they're against our caravan, right? Like, oh, like they protest our car caravan, so they must be against it. So they must want us to not have a car caravan anymore. But then, where's the paychecks gonna come from? Because they don't work. Yo, those <laughs> people, the gusanos, I swear to you, they don't work. They all get paid. Oh they man, work. They don't like to work. They you know, <laughs> with violence, they're not gonna work. So they're yeah, they're like the the. I would say the least productive elements in society, including in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I could drop a thousand facts about the Marielitos. I don't know if you heard about the Marielitos. The Miami Marielito is an insult, right? Because it's uh, it refers to the Mariel boat lift in which uh, Cuba uh, allowed many uh, people that wanted to leave Cuba, thousands of people that wanted to leave Cuba, to leave Cuba. All they had to do was get picked up by a family member in in uh, the Mariel port. But when that happened, the Cuban uh, government told the lumpen elements, listen, if you want to leave Cuba, leave Cuba. And they left Cuba. And crime rose in Miami-Dade County, I think this was in 1980, by 500%. Wow. Like, it was crazy, like, the amount of thievery, narco-trafficking, kidnapping, murder, uh, aggravated assault, all these crimes. And so in Miami, if you call someone a Marielito, you're basically calling them a, a thug or, or a, a common crook, uh, and that's it. Somebody who got lucky, if you will, and, and got to go to Miami. Um, wow. And so, yeah, yeah, it's a so long- is this the story where people were saying that what Fidel basically kicked out all the criminals like i remember hearing that um that they were like oh he took all the drug dealers and kicked them out and then they they started that that pretext on um 
Scarface, where Scarface right, was right. one Scarface. of the motherfuckers that got kicked out. <laughs> well, they were they weren't kicked out as so much as they were allowed to leave, and they wanted to leave, right? Because they're like, "Look, you can be in a jail cell, or you can be in Miami." And right. in their mindset, they're like, "Oh." Of course, I'm gonna go to Miami. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know that Batista's um, granddaughter. I think I mentioned this before, right? Batista's granddaughter lives under a bridge in downtown Miami. Yeah, like, I heard that. Yeah, like that shit is crazy. So the the gusanos today, the ones that are like young, let's say they're millennial gusanos, they they really have no intention in, in going to back to Cuba or having a, a life. They're, they're just grifting. They're literally grifters. They're like, um, I mean, without being controversial, right? Like, man, all right, fuck it. I'm going to offend some of your audience. I don't know. Like uh, Breaking Points or Kal Kalinske or And that's not to say that they're the, they're the worst of the worst, but, you know, like, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not altruistic. And they're certainly, uh, how can I put it? They certainly are not for any real solution, right? Um, I agree, Kyle. If you ever hear this, I agree with everything I, that my boy Ortiz is saying. <laughs> this is crazy. Now, and some of them are okay. Like, look, I'll give you an example without getting too controversial. Um, right. What's her name? Like, okay, so she's out. Brianna Joy Gray, right? Yeah. I think she's pretty cool. I think yeah, she has a lot decent. of cool opinions, yeah. right? I, I yeah. think she's pretty cool. But she had an interview with uh, Norman Finkelstein, right, the, the anti-Zionist author, yeah. or at least uh, the author that is critical of apartheid in Israel, mm-hmm. you know, his family, they went through the Holocaust, through the Auschwitz, terrible. And, you know, because of, and his family were communists, like Marxist Leninists, like old school MLs, Word. right? My people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. And then he, he said, look, my criticism of you, right, of, of Brianna Joy Gray, she, he said it's like parliamentary, parliamentarian uh, cretinism, mm-hmm. right? Like, like I, yeah, I like Brianna Joy Gray's opinions in general. I think she's pretty cool. But a lot, a lot of her energy is spent on inside baseball in, uh, in Congress, um, where, it, like, it, it matters, right? Like, yes, we shouldn't be ignorant yeah. to what's going on there because laws are made and all that. Yeah. Um, but... That's not really where the cutting edge of politics is in America. Yeah, that's like, just social democrat, social democrat, basically. That's all it is. Right, right. I feel like she's, you know, developing. Right, like I'm not gonna write her off. I mean, right. you know, people have their paths, their journeys. I found that a long time ago that people have their journeys, and and um, and sometimes you can learn from that journey yourself. Right, humble yourself. Um, so you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I wish jo- uh, Brianna Joy Gray the the best, but not. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, his theory on on just social democracy, it has so many holes. Um, and it's like, why not just say socialism? Like, I feel like I feel like they just don't want to be a part of the crowd. But I feel like they kind of know that we're right. But <laughs> they just the, don't want to say it. <laughs> it's hard because we don't. And I'll say this. If we if we. If the revolutionaries, if the Marxist-Leninists, uh, if the patriots, if you will, if we can present an alternative, we might get a lot of those folks. Right. Right? right. Because to them, it's like, well, you know, you have your rhetoric and your theory and whatever, but is that enough for me? 
You know what I'm saying? To them, it's like, and I don't blame them because to a lot of people, it's like that too. It's we need a plan of action, right? We need you to tell me what the fuck we're going to do about this. Right. And yeah, so, so, so that's, and it's funny because then as time goes by, eventually the opposition will be like, oh, you guys are authoritarian because it's all about the ideas that you put forward. Well, yeah, yeah, because the people were waiting for those ideas, right? And it it wasn't because we uh, put a gun on everybody's head and said, you got to believe what I said. No, it was just basically these were the actual alternatives put forward that people worked on that actually came to fruition as opposed to uh, the high ideals of, of liberalism. It's exactly what Lenin had to do, you know, when the second revolution happened in the USSR, well, what was becoming the USSR. It was right. it, it was in those turning points. Like Soviet you know, Russia or like uh, the provisional in between, government? Yeah, um, when they toppled the czar and okay. then and then, they, then the second revolution um, happened where the Soviets had to, you know, uh, sh- basically show, Lenin had to show the people that this can work because they were trying to see what the new system will be. Uh, I, I, for, I forgot who it was. I think it was like the social Democrats, the Bensheviks or something. I got to go back into my readings. Um, but they were like, let's try it out. Let's see if this is the right way. And he had to literally like, you know, give them an offer them a better platform for, for them to work on. And, and it, it became successful. The Bolsheviks became the, van, the Vanguard party. Um, but unfortunately he died so quick so there was he was they didn't have a guidance like Mao and Fidel was able to do they Lenin died too soon so um but I I I go in too fast with that but yeah (laughs) that's basically what we need to do we need we need someone like a Lenin that is principled and strong enough to be able to take this vision which people thought Bernie Sanders was but we all knew what he wasn't we need someone like that that could grasp the people <laughs> yep it's you know it's a lot of like how can i put it we are in a place where we have to be strategic right um so for example i do think that we do have we need to put forward ideas it would be benefit it's not i don't know if it's possible or not right this is like this is where i veer into ideals mm-hmm. um it would be ideal if we if people could take up a, a political line and a practice as a general movement uh, that is not so much pinned to an individual and mm-hmm. the reason why is this and again this is ideal it might be impossible it might not ever happen because it's impossible maybe uh, but the thing is is that imperialists the social you know rebel, not social, the social thinking like of, of the provisional government the social democrats, the reactionaries, the opportunists, all sorts of petty bourgeois ideologists as well, uh, they would all attack this person. Oh, yeah. Remember that, that MLK. MLK yeah. has a holiday after him, right? right? Who is known throughout the world, was the most hated man in America the year that he died. Right. I read he was a strong book. socialist. <laughs> yeah, he was very strong. Look at uh, Tavis Smiley's... Um, Death of a King. It's a great book about the last year of his life. Bro, mm-hmm. the man was under attack every day. Every day. He did man. not let up. That that year was the year in hell. And so uh maybe it is it is bound to happen, right? It might maybe it is very idealist to hope that we can not have a water. <laughs> but if we need to, I guess somebody will. Uh and you know, 
and I hope yeah. that person, you know, uh, is venerated as they should be for the for the sacrifice. You know, what I mean, I mean, yeah. uh, MLK could have lived his whole life, you know, after the Montgomery bus boycott, he could have lived his life in comfort. He was offered a position uh, to be a minister in London. He could have just been yep. like, all right, y'all, peace. You know, yep. Malcolm yep. X could have been like, all right, y'all, peace. I'm gonna move right. to the Muslim world and the end, right? So, so definitely hats off to all of them. Yeah, and you know, when you look at the Poor People's Campaign. Um, Jesus, what that would have done if he was still alive. That was literally a groundbreaking, like the gravel was set for a revolution there. We, it was it was ready. I feel like that was the height. And they killed him. And they, they knew they had to, to kill that. And that killed the momentum like crazy. I mean, we do have a new pe- Poor People's Campaign now, you know, um, but Sadly, the momentum isn't as strong as what Martin Luther King's Poor People's Campaign was. It was it was life changing, and it got a lot of attention. And the elements were there. You had Kennedy there too, and you know, I, I just wish like there was an alternate universe that we could just peek in and see what America would have been if the Poor People's Campaign was fully successful with. The, the leadership of Martin Luther King. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't have an alternative universe and, you know, <laughs> as a science teacher, um, as an dialectical materialist as well. But we do have a future world, right, right that we're building and right. uh, that we can hopefully see a lot of these victories in. You know who I, I like in, in many ways, but, you know, I'm open to criticisms of this person. Um, mm-hmm. And I personally don't share their ideas in, in full. As a mm-hmm. Marxist-Leninist, right? Uh, and also, Marxist-Leninist should not only support Marxist-Leninist. <laughs> limiting. We um, kind of do, though, in ways, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get it. But, you know, you got to be practical. My mom, right. you know, she's not a Marxist-Leninist, but she's awesome, right? My neighbors yep. are pretty cool. They they help me out and shit. So, you know, and they're not yep. MLs. But you know who I think is pretty cool? Uh, and again, might be that in the next few years, this person turns out to be like, a traitor, the lowest yeah. come of the earth. But as of right now, who I think is pretty cool is uh, Shama Sawan, uh, who is a member of, uh, of the council, city council in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He's a member of Socialist Alternative. I'm not a Trotskyist, right? Socialist Alternative is a Trotskyist group. Yeah. Who, uh, my only experience with them has been in Gainesville, Florida. And they are, uh, at least in my experience, they've been a, a, you know, an all right group of people. They, I know that there's leftists in Gainesville that hate them for some reason, which I don't know. But again, maybe it is true or not. I don't know, right? But, um, but I think that Shama Sawan has been able to pull a good mass of people in Seattle to fight for a lot of very positive things, you know. And, and she's getting a bigger profile. Uh, she was the one that was key in getting the first city in the whole country to pass a $15 minimum wage. Uh, so I think that somebody like that in throughout the future could have that sort of um, not only clout because any asshole with an IG and you know some form of gimmick can get a uh, can get clout, especially if you're doing publicity stunts. But somebody who has the moral authority, like like not Fidel, like Raúl said and Che said about Fidel, Fidel was the first one to jump in the in the grandma. The first mm-hmm. one to storm the Moncada, the first one to jump in a tank during uh, the Bay of Pigs. Right. He's the only one that has the moral authority 
to ask the people anything in the name of the revolution. So we need somebody who really does have that ability to say, listen, guys, I need you to give 10% of your money for this campaign because guess what? In the future, it'll be it'll be to your benefit or even immediately, right? You could say to every revolutionary, I'm in Florida, so I have to speak in that context. Every revolutionary in Florida, I need you to fundraise $1,000 in order to help a new nascent red union to make sure that they have the money to strike and to do all their uh, political activities. Right. And people believe it, bro. They're going to, they'll fucking sell a lemonade. They'll sell uh, stuff uh, at the thrift store or uh, at the pawn shop, whatever. They'll yep. save money. They'll look in their couch and they'll get $1,000 real quick, you know, but they'll it's all it. about having that authority to make that call. Yeah, I see that in the Brian Beckers of the world, the Gloria La Riva, uh, La Rivas of the world who actually knew Fidel and all the shit that she did. And I'm, I'm gonna look into that person because we actually did some work with a uh, um, socialist resurgence. I mean, we do differ in our, in our perspectives of what's happening in the Ukraine and everything, but still though, like it's always good to organize on on issues that you agree with you know there's always going to be that uh division especially when someone's a trotskyist and you're a, a marxist a leninist and then we we see a few stalinist people around but if we can just all come together <laughs> on these issues <laughs> hopefully hopefully i mean look if you you know brian becker's mentor uh lawyer lariva's mentor uh, sam morrissey you know, he had a lot of following himself. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's met Fidel, he's met Kim Il-sung. Uh, he's written some interesting documents, right, on global class war. Uh, so, you know, and I and even if I don't agree with Sam Marcy on all these things, and certainly right. not with some things, uh, I can attest to the fact that this person's committed and this person, you know, has some sense, not only some sense, but vision, uh, and that if they're calling for something to be done, is actually like something that makes sense and that even if it's wrong it's in the right direction right for example it was let's see who uh you know who you know who could do this okay again not a marxist leninist <laughs> not not like not even a, a a colonized person right uh which you know someone's indian and so on uh mm-hmm. jimmy door you know, jimmy interesting Dorr, <laughs> like everyday kind of man even though he's got money nowadays yeah. Uh, he calls himself a, a pothead comedian, right? <laughs> uh, you know, and he's funny, <laughs> but he does have a certain following, you know, like... Um, oh, man, he's he's big right now. He's getting big. If only, yeah. but I wish that, you know, because now he says, oh, I might run for president. He flirts with it. Yeah. I really wish that instead of flirting with running for president, he would concretely launch a campaign for something useful. Whether right. it's Palestine, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's you know people poor people's campaign, just launch something useful, you know, instead of like, and that's that's kind of like where again like maybe he isn't the guy with the moral authority, right? Because instead of floating with oh I might be president door twenty four, bro, talk about something practical, you know, and that yeah. that might, and I do respect a lot of his views, but to respect his person, right? That's a different a different conversation because. You know, it's when the going is good, it's easy to be, you know, radical and blah, 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 
and whatever, right? You're out here making money, you're getting fame, you're chilling, bro, you, you're good. But when people don't listen to you, you're losing money. When you're losing friends, right? it's a different, it's a different situation. Yeah, and you know, I want to clip this because Jimmy Dore has liked a few of my uh, posts. So I want to yeah. clip this and see if he could hear from us about how this could be a good idea to build momentum to to actually bring in a really good cause with with with, with your hype, man. Because because like yeah. he he's on he's on fire. He's literally yeah. on fire. Like I like him. No look, one. I watch him. I like him. You know, listen, Jimmy. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a immigrant public school teacher based out of Florida. I watch your shit like almost every day. <laughs> I may not agree with everything you say, right? There's a couple of things I was like, bro, of course, I'm not going to say what it is. Let's just say it was about a, a full-hearted young man that committed, in my view, murder. We'll leave it there. Um, but I think that you're right on a lot of other shit. And so I hope that you can put your, your prestige, if you will, your following, if you will, to different useful things. One of those things, I have to say it, is solidarity with Cuba to end the embargo on the people of Cuba. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's get I into love, Peru. I love he covered Peru too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we're just about Peru. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, I gotta watch that video actually. I, I have it clipped of what he said about about that about Peru. I haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. But um so I spoke to um Claudia O'Brien, I believe. That's her. Uh, I'm sorry, Claudia, if I said your last name incorrectly. Uh, she's one of the journalists from the Black uh, Alliance. Um, oh, nice for peace. Yep. yep, for peace. Black, black, black for peace alliance. Um, yeah, shout out to Blacks for Peace for Alliance because they're <clears throat> an incredible organization. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in Peru, um, and she. We were having multiple discussions on what's going on, and one thing that came up is the secret funding that is the US government giving to keep up this cool regime. Um, and I did not know that they have like literally billions of dollars just going into there to keep that regime going. Um, but the sad part is I don't know how much money they're wasting because majority of the country doesn't even fuck with this Demo- with this uh, dictator. Right, so, Democrat. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> but when you say Democrat, you mean like a, a member of the Democratic Party, right? Not like a right. person democracy. Yeah. Like, what is the CIA doing now? Like, I, I, I asked her. I'm like, are we looking at someone that just like what happened in Bolivia? Like, you had like a year or two of masquering your own effing people for money, and now you in jail. Like, <laughs> is this what's yeah. going to happen to her? What do you think? Well, with Dina Boluarte, she was an opportunist from the start, you know, like, and yep. I meant, I think I mentioned this before, I don't know if, yep. if here or, or somewhere else, but... In the last episode you did, yep, the last yeah, episode. Yeah, su- her supporters wanted <laughs> Castillo <laughs> to get overthrown so she could become president. Right. Uh, she was really a bad choice uh, for Peru Libre. Peru Libre is going to have to live with that decision uh, for, for a while, for a while. And I say that as an affiliate member of Peru Libre. Uh, I think that Boluarte's presidency, it's like a test of, of strength of Fujimorismo. At this point, Fujimorismo 
is uh is going all out you know the general secretary vladimir serron said it best you know the yeah. biggest problem with fujimorismo is that it wants keiko fujimori to be president and it's so fucking hard that it gives up any other alternative right any other like right-wing figure any other whatever that supports no 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 like they have to make her president which means that they have to oppose the different sectors of the far right and of the international corporations and of the capitalist imperialist influencers. Truth be told, Fujimorismo could have the support of many, many more NGOs uh, that are currently staying aloof of a lot of this stuff or are critical only in words. Uh, they could get that support, but then they go ahead and, and have to cape for the daughter of a dictator who herself leads a criminal organization. And so they're in a way they tie their own hands by their own greed. They're very similar to the Venezuelan opposition. They could unite and get a right. lot of gains, but that means they can't get paid. And money is the end goal of politics for these people. Yeah. So what's the point in, in supporting democracy if you're not getting paid, right? Just like the grifters in Miami. You know, what's the point if you're not getting paid? I right. hope that. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, sorry, you were going to say something? No, I'm with you. I'm like, Ray, it's all about money at the end of the day. Like, they're, they're not oh, like, oh, I'm going to free my people. No, you're, you're shooting your people and you're getting paid to do it. Like, that's what's basically going on. <laughs> exactly. Look, the, 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 the Peruvian state is in a situation in which most people oppose it, but the people of there's there, there's one major weakness there's other weaknesses but one of the major weaknesses in the peruvian uh, left and the revolutionary movement the progressive or patriotic movements is that there's a lot of division there's a lot of division i mean i've been there i've been in those rooms i've been in those uh spaces and like it's you, you can have two people who have almost the same views like go at it like, like if they're fighting over like the most fundamental beliefs, it's like, bro, we agree on most shit. But unfortunately, people don't want to be. Uh, a lot of people they they're simply scared of organizational power, because they're afraid that if you have an organization that's bigger than a group of ten people, then that organization will become corrupt and it will betray its its principles. Da da da. There's an ultra-left sector, for example, uh, that broke with Peru Libre, who says that, oh, you know, we don't support any political parties. We're not tied to any political parties. Nothing should be done in Congress. Uh, we should only protest. That's it. Their only strategy is that more people must die. And I guess as more people die, there's less support for the for the Boluarte government. We already have 70-plus percent of Peruvians against it. Like, it's not like... Yeah. Like we don't need what do we need? Like another hundred dead for ninety percent. Like at some point, uh, that can be the only strategy. Right. But again, there's this huge tendency in the movement against organizational power because it's always seen almost as as a mafia. You know, I'll give you an example. So, uh, Patria Roja, Patria Roja, uh, <clears throat> who is uh, one of the factions that broke off from the original Communist Party of Peru, they had a huge hegemony over the SUTEP, which was the national or is the national teachers union in Peru. Uh, the problem is, is that a lot of ultra-left forces will say, oh, that's the mafia of, uh, of, Patria, of Patria Roja, the mafia. Like, what is the mafia constituted here? Well, it's that they have their members in power in the mm -hmm. union, and they only really allow their militants to get positions of importance in the union. Mm -hmm. uh, and so 
if you look at it from a petty bourgeois, meritocratic, liberal position, you're like, oh, well, no, it shouldn't be like that. It should be the best man for the job. No, asshole. It actually should be led by a political party with a political line. Even if yeah. I don't agree with their political line, I understand why the teachers union should be led by a, a communist political line instead of like some meritocratic technocrat. As right. though going to school in, again, Oxford or Columbia or Humboldt or the Polytechnic School of Paris or whatever the fuck, as though that makes you politically prepared to lead, mm. to have political responsibilities. Look, I get it. You need to have engineers that went to school for engineering. You need to have doctors that went to medical school, I, right. of course. But a political position... Of, uh, of trust, as they would say in Peru, of confidence, has to do with your political commitments, more so than like your schooling. But right. I, I would rather have a, a peasant who didn't finish high school, who I know is down, who I right. know is committed, than having somebody uh, who, again, went to, um, I don't know, Cambridge and couldn't give two shits about the people that are making decisions over. I had this discussion with my uncle, who is uh, also a teacher. He's a teacher in Peru. And we talked about this, right? I'm like, look, if you tell a, a technocrat, hey, here's the numbers, blah, blah, blah. Here's mm -hmm. the budget. And because of this budget, we cannot do these things that we promise. Right. We can't, do, we can't fix this road. We can't provide this uh, indoor plumbing because we don't have the budget. Or if we... Or if we were to get the money, we would have to raise taxes, which would get us in trouble with the IMF or with the oligarchy. Right. So the thing is, we're going to bring some trucks every week with water, and all the people can run to the truck and fill their water, their their uh, buckets of water and go home, right? Right. Good. But somebody who's been through that, Somebody who grew up going with their mom and their brother with their buckets, somebody who's had to walk miles for water, somebody whose uh, uncle died of cholera. Remember that uh, Peru was the only country in the Western Hemisphere to have a cholera outbreak in yeah. the century. You're like, no, fuck the IMF. Let me be in trouble with the IMF so that those people can get their water. That's okay. Fuck the IMF. Let them hate me. Let the oligarchy hate me. Let the people love me, though. Let the people be free, though. You know what I'm saying? And that's the difference between a technocrat who's making a numerical calculation and somebody right. making a revolution. And that's yep. the problem that, that Peru faces, right? That there is a, a, a gulf between the people and the so-called technocrats, progressive, reactionary, whatever. All these technocrats who are alien to their reality. This harkens back to the era of the families that ruled Peru until 19... Well, that still ruled Peru in many ways, but that completely ruled Peru until 1968. That Most of these people, they went to Paris, they went to Zurich, they went to Berlin, they went to London, they went to Madrid most of the year and only mm -hmm. came around Peru here and there. And these yeah. are the people that are supposed to represent Peru. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's really important. Like I met, like you mentioned last time about evil, and like they, how everybody just becomes disciplined when he when he shows up, and I think that's exactly what um, Peru needs so they could come together. They need a new guy. I don't know if Juan Cas Juan Jesus Pe uh, Petro. I think you were gonna say Juan Guaido. Like, no. Yeah, I was like, no, no Juan Guaido. He's gone. Even he's fired by Biden. He's like, you're not even president. You never was. 
Yo, the we, worst we insult came from Trump, though. When Trump said Juan Guaido was the Beto O'Rourke of Venezuela, I'm like, oh, man, that's like, you just body this, man. You're blah, savage. You know? It was wild. He would be Beto O'Rourke if he had a campaign that fell 24-7, but the guy didn't even want to run. So. He didn't even run. He's like, uh, well, that's so sad because you can, okay, isn't Beto O'Rourke so exchangeable with what's his other name, Pete Buttigieg, like, whatever. <laughs> These people are so, like, cookie cutter, bro. Juan Guaido, Pete Buttigieg, like, <laughs> say, like uh, the same bullshit. But yeah, like we like uh, 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 Pedro uh, Castillo, um, like if he, you know, he's in prison for three years. Um, if he, you know, could come out and lead, I think that would help gather people. Like someone, they need a leader. They need somebody to get people to stop being divided and come together. Um, mm-hmm. But um you know that that is a thing in organizing culture. You know, a lot of groups decide to have their own way, and it's hard for them to want to. That happens here in the states all the yeah. damn time. So that's that's just a hump that needs to be rectified. <laughs> no, it's true. We need a lot of humility. We need a lot of uh, understanding that we are part of something great, and of being conscious of everything we do. For example. Right here, we're having a conversation, right? This is we're not on MSNBC, we're not on on Joe Rogan's podcast, whatever. Okay, cool. But in the long term, what we're doing right now is a great thing. It's mm-hmm. a thing that contributes to moving consciousness and to keeping us connected, making us more human, right? To having a, a conversation that links something like Peru and the United States together by their common threats and is able right. to reveal or elucidate the universal character of our revolutions, which right. is really one world revolution, as Comrade Mao Zedong would have put it. So I think that if we are humble and if we put in work, I think we're going to do a great thing. And when the great leader comes, you know, the Kim Il-sung of America comes in, uh, he's not going to come in saying, I am the Kim Il-sung of America, right? <laughs> who's, who's very much just uh, humbly putting in their work. You know, uh, Graham, she tells the story of when he was in jail, which was, you know, most of his, uh, uh, the second half of his life, right. that one of the comrades that shared a cell with him you know, when he first met him, he was disappointed because he said, wow, I thought the leader of the Italian communists would be like taller, you know, or like yeah. when uh, I don't know if you ever read Reminiscence of Stalin, uh, of Lenin by Stalin. But basically, uh, it's basically uh, a small speech that Stalin have it. Yeah. in an anniversary of the death of Lenin. And when mm-hmm. he, talked about he met Lenin and he said that when he met Lenin, he imagined, right, that uh you know, every, all the communists, they would be talking, whatever. And then suddenly somebody would say, you know, attention. Or like in Germany, they would say, atong, atong. And then everybody would be quiet. And then, you know, down like the the stairs, you know, the great Lenin would come in. Everybody would say, oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. Like how Kim Il-sung gets a That's right. Um, But he was already there. When Stalin got to the meeting, Lenin was already there. He was sitting in a corner talking to some guy. The end. <laughs> she's in a corner talking to some other guy the fuck is this so, you know, they have their ideas of who's going to be what uh but it's really it's really just human beings you know uh i don't right. know if you ever heard of uh 
the Prussian secret agents report on Karl Marx? I've heard a little bit about it. I, it's a I, very I've... it's a very short read. I recommend it. Yeah, uh, you I'll know, check the Prussian, it out. Oh, definitely. The Prussian secret police are the direct predecessors to uh, the Gestapo, right? The Gestapo were taken over, I think, by Goring. Goring uh, made them into a national force. Right. And, you know, we, and then they were the inspiration for things like PIDE in Portugal and other terrorist so-called uh, intelligence services, which is really yeah. just a terrorist hit group. Um, but, yeah, the, the whole account of Karl Marx is very much about how he's super smart, but he's messy, right? He like he doesn't change his clothes in like a few days, but like, <laughs> so brilliant. Like uh, when, he, when the spy went to visit him, you know, pretending to be a, a comrade, uh, he said the shit was like dusty. They had to push away toys from a chair to let him sit. But then when he when they got to talking, he's like, "Yo, this guy's like like a fucking genius, right?" So it's like that. It's like you know, Karl Marx. If you see him from far away, you're like, "Oh, that old grouchy man, whatever the fuck." Not grouchy, but like, you know, like, uh, like not that well kept. But then you talk to him, you're like, "Yo, this guy's the shit." So you know, like we'll see. You know, it'll be. I I hope that the leadership of the United States of the revolutions that may take place and should take place in the United States uh, reflect that. Right? I don't want to see the daughter of a congressman. I don't want to see nah. the. Uh, the famous ex MMA fighter, ex Fear Factor host, ex apprentice uh, host. What about <laughs> somebody who just works for a living, a janitor? How about a right. bus, like like in Venezuela, a bus driver? You know, bus driver. I was about to say like Nicholas Maduro, yeah, little bus like, driver guy. <laughs> you no, know, that'd be great. I want I want to see that. I want to see uh, in Florida. You know, when I always think of revolution and socialism. I do think in the terms of Florida. Now, that might not be the best way to put it, whatever, mm. but in my direct context, it's always Florida. So I'm thinking like, bro, who's out here busting their ass in Florida the most? Yo, the people that work in the sugar fields, the sugar cane fields, and the people that work in the mockery picking your fruit. Can, I, can we get some fruit pickers to lead the revolution? Because I trust their ass more. Because I know yeah. they're hardworking. I know they're honest. I know that they have integrity, Right. Whereas, like, a lot of these liberals, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you are, you know? They'll flip any second and become war criminals. <laughs> They'll switch on you. They're also some trash people, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. We're running out of time. But this was- Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I know you probably- No, no you're fine. You're fine. This was this was absolutely great. Um uh, love, love having you on, uh, comrade, because this is this is good. We we literally just had a very good conversation about revolutionary things, and I think there's a lot that people could grasp from <coughs> um, our exchange. I need a cough button like Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you know one thing that I will say about the whole Peruvian situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that the Peruvian movement has to develop. And again, the Peruvian movement, right? Like, there's only so many organizations, and most of them are, are caviar-led, you know. Um, but what we should do, and it's something that I'm going to propose in one of our meetings, is we really need to target the providers of weaponry for the Peruvian uh, armed forces and police forces. I know that Canada has a bunch of companies that are indeed providing them with those weapons of, of lethal and non-lethal, but really mm-hmm. lethal. Uh, ammunition. So it's something that that we have to work on, and I encourage people again to uh, stay informed. And if you have, uh, you know, 
any local branch of, let's say, G4S or Lockheed Martin or even other minor company, you know, what, uh, what's the name of this, Smith & Wesson, whatever, uh, you know, research who they're providing weapons to, you know, like really yeah. informed on that because I can't drive to, where is it, Dallas, Texas, right? I'm just going to be real. But if you live in Dallas, Texas, you investigate that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and expose them, you know? Like, every time, for instance, when the Marines have, like, a here, no, is it Coast Guard? Yeah, it's Coast Guard. Whenever the Coast Guard have a graduation, we always show up and protest the speaker because the speaker's always a goddamn war criminal. Like, like last time, they had fucking Bolton. Like, I'm like, oh, hell no. We got to let these people know that this man literally was the architect of murdering like almost a million people in the Middle East. Like <laughs> we we can't let that go. No. Don't it's like when Bush. Remember right. when Bush made that mistake? He said uh something, something invade Iraq. I mean Ukraine. Right. You know, yeah, these people are terrible. You know, John Bolton is running for president, which is the funniest shit too. No, like Jesus. Uh, yeah. This is the only part where I like Donald Trump. Oh, <laughs> that, that he's going to destroy Ron DeSantis, right. John Bolton, uh, Mike Pence. He's going to switch um, everything. <laughs> yeah, what? What is this? Some other, some other Republican piece of shit. You Nikki know, like Haley. that's one thing that I like about Trump is on stage. You know, on stage he's just slaughtering Republicans and yeah. Democrats. I, I love that. That's yeah. that's my view. Uh, that's something to look for, you know. I'm at my popcorn, you know what I mean. And I wish it was like back in the day where it was like, oh, uh, you had a whole hour and then you'd go into a session and then come back for another hour because it'll tell them how much he would just rail on them for that whole. It'll be torture to stand next to that man and debate for an hour to then come back debate again for an hour. <laughs> And he's just killing you. He's killing you. You're just like, dude, you're like, this is a roast. <laughs> and you take the jokes that Trump makes and you can just use them. Like when he called Marco Rubio little Marco. Bro, anybody could call him that. Maduro could be like, oh, hey, little Marco. <laughs> you got to use it. You got to you gotta take that shit. You know, like, I, like I'd be calling Ron DeSantis. You know, like, oh, yeah, Ron DeSantimonious. Or, you know, <laughs> Ron DeSantimonious. The biggest piece was this. Just check out. So, all mask mandates really ended in Florida by the end of 2020. Mm. In fact, Ron DeSantis is looking for a law that would make mask mandates illegal in Florida, right? Uh, so he was, you know, opposed to a lot of stuff. He uh, even even uh, persecuted legally. Uh, this person that was exposing the real numbers of people that were getting infected and were even dying from coronavirus in the state of Florida. So you have this guy, Ron DeSantis, right, who's going against the mask mandates, who uh, is, you know, I, I don't think he said much about the, the vaccine. I'm not sure. But he wanted to be on this, like, rightist, populist, you know, slant when it came to coronavirus, right? That was part of his uh, image. And then Donald Trump came in and called them lockdown Ron. And that was it, the end. So all the rhetoric, all the bills, all the resolutions, all the ads, all the speeches, the end. <laughs> yeah, it was all for naught because now you're locked down wrong. You're like, to the, the Trump base, you're like Xi Jinping or some shit. Right. Yeah, like, it's like the president of, of China right now. To them. Like, 
Yeah, you pretty much lost, you know. And uh, right. that that's the only thing that I like about Trump, how he how he just slaughters uh politicians. He's a funny guy, I'm not gonna lie. He he, he would have been a great comedian, like <laughs> Yeah, you know, he would have been I don't know, like it's it's hard to it's almost idealist or utopian, if you will, to think of uh Trump as you know, if he would have been a revolutionary or something, you know that what I'm saying? Wild. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He would have been just like, just going off on that. I think of my grandma. So my paternal grandma, I'm not going to cap. She was like, a, you know, she's, you know, I love her. She's, the, you know, she raised my father, you know, she, you know, raised my uncles and aunts. But she, she could, she'll cuss you out real quick. <laughs> I remember I brought this friend home one time. Yo, she got cussed the fuck out by my grandma. I said, like, Grandma, Damn. yeah. Um, <laughs> but whenever, like, I confront Zionists or gusanos or Fujimoristas, I'm, I channel my grandma. <laughs> I'm channeling my grandma. I remember one time I was outside of APAC. Um, Uh-oh. in DC, you know, we're protesting outside, bro. I went off on the Zionist. This guy, I'm talking about, he's wearing like a like a five thousand dollars suit, very well dressed. You know, not a lumpen, not a gusano. A gusano is like a lumpen. This guy is like a bourgeois, bro. This guy lost his fucking mind, bro. He like charged me. The police literally had to grab him to stop him. Like just just because I was channeling my grandmother, bro. I was like. <laughs> Oh, he can't even look at me. He can't even look at me. Bro, this guy fucking lost it, you know? So you got to channel your ancestors sometimes, you know, when you're yeah. fighting these fuckers, you know? Even the, the their traits that were not the best in life, you know, mm-hmm. after their passing, uh, it becomes uh, just a tool of the revolution, you know? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a great way to end it, you know, channeling oh, yeah. the ancestors because – God knows people need to do that sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. Especially. Let me ask you a question. I know we yeah. gotta go, and I have to pick. Think, yo, know, I gotta go pick up a friend like an hour yeah. later yesterday. How did you feel about the? And you know, I've been promoting the anti-war rally coming up on the 18th in DC, and I hope that everybody goes there. Yeah, uh, I'll be there. Friends that are gonna be there. Um, that are taking transportation. Some teachers, communist teachers from Broward County, they're headed to D.C. this 18th. Word. What do you think, though, of the rage against the war machine uh, protest? Oh. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> You're like, well, uh, lost, lost transmission. I'm like, <laughs> it's a hey, little listen. dicey, right? It's a little dicey. So, listen, there's going to be some progressive and socialist people that I have met that went to that rally and mm-hmm. I've had them on my show and all this stuff. So if they hear this, they're probably going to be mad about what I'm about to say. Oh shit. <laughs> okay, snap. okay. I have explained it to Tommy, Tommy nation. Uh, he knows Ta- Tommy, you know, you, I, we had the conversation the last episode we did with unsavory politics. So he knows, and that's all I care about. My yeah. issue was, you know, as a PSL member, we are very, very principled in anti-war and anti-U.S. imperialism. Mm. So we do not want to organize with people, which I don't, I don't want to name them, the ones that spoke at that rally, that no, has been politicians in the past. I don't, again. Yeah, like Tulsi Gabbard or whatever. I don't <laughs> want to name them. But okay. 
they have voted for you imperialist wars, but now they want to go and straight up, you know, oppose this war. And I question why they want to oppose this war when they have voted and supported other bloodshed. That's just my personal feeling. Yeah. I don't want, so I automatically was like, I don't know how I feel about this when I learned about who was organizing it. I'm glad Jimmy Dore got to speak. I'm glad there was a lot of other leftists that was there that got to speak. Um, but I felt like it was kind of a contradiction because we need to be principled as socialists and not only oppose war, but also oppose imperialism. Um, and I don't think they fully understood that imperialism is a huge part of the problem with the people that, you know, was a part of the rally. And it was big. Sabi Saves was there. A lot of people that are like really well known was there um, within the progressive and leftist movement. Um, and I supported the idea of speaking out to end this war and want peace. Um, but I felt like it was contradictory with the actors that were on the right involved. That's, that's, that's how I felt. And the PSL, my, my party, we, they felt the same way before I even had a conversation. So I was like, oh, well, we're all just like this. We're going to take this stance. We're not going to sit. I, we didn't, I didn't put anything out. I didn't say I hated yeah. it. I didn't, I didn't say I don't support it. I didn't put any critiques out. I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen the, you know, I've seen the, the, how can I put it? The, the rhetoric, the discourse, the polemics, right? And I have right. friends who've been there too. Right. Uh, it, it, we're in a, in a complex situation, in yeah. my view, because, for example, I think of, uh, you know, when Trotsky was uh, given the power, if you will, to lead the delegation to negotiate with Germany for right. what became the Bresley Tops Peace uh, during the end of World War One, you know, the, the permission said, we give permission to Comrade Trotsky to accept help from the French bandits against the German bandits. <laughs> like, it was clear, like, these are all assholes, right? right. And yet, <laughs> we got to make a deal. Right. We got we to cut a deal. Um, and the same attitude, you could say, was taken in the Molotov, Ribbentrop, uh, you know, pack, right? Which is, hey, listen, guys, you're Nazis, we're communists, but like, mm, let's not fuck around and, and, and get ourselves in a, in a really bad position. Um, and so that's a position of like survival, right? Yo, we gotta we gotta make this shit happen. Right. I think in the U.S., you know, we're not gonna die if like all of Ukraine dies. Like we're not, we're you know, it's just gonna stay there. The war is not gonna advance to America, whatever. And so we are in a place where we do have a certain, and I hate these terms. Uh, this is terrible postmodernist terms. <laughs> yeah. A certain level of of privilege, and I don't like to talk like that. To be like, yo, you know what? We got to work with this group as opposed to that group because this group has bad politics and we have good politics. So let's work with people that have good politics. And in theory, that will allow us to take the correct course in our movement because we're all led by good politics or good ideology, correct ideology. Um, I think that when we're talking about somebody, you know that every day in the United States or not every day, but at least once a week, a person has to get their uh, feet amputated mm-hmm. because of preventable diseases and lack of healthcare. Like literally. So, if you think for you, if you think right now, 
you, Jamar, you're going to lose your legs tomorrow. There's only one way out. Yeah. You got to take a picture with a neo-Nazi. Oh, shit. It's a good chance you're gonna be like, man, take this picture. All right, oof, I got my <laughs> All right, bro. Oh yeah, hey, fuck you, man. Fuck you. I don't like. I don't like you. Whatever. Fuck Nazism. But I got my legs. And, <laughs> you know, when I think about that, or you know, something, you know, let's say a young girl who, you know, got pregnant unintentionally and she needs to get an abortion. You know, somebody be like, listen. You get an abortion, but you got to take a picture with, you know, I don't know, uh, Jordan Peterson or some shit. You might be like, man, all right, Jordan Peterson, here's your picture. All right, now I can get my abortion. And so, the way, or, you know, or a parent, right, that is about to have to be evicted with their kids or, you know, once you start thinking on those terms, you're like, fuck, you know, like, I do have to get shit, like, popping right away. And so... Why do I mention all these things? Because these seem, things seem to be a little bit, you know, separated from Ukraine. Again, you know, the war is over there; it's not here. But mm-hmm. it would seem to me that that an, a, an, a really successful anti-imperialist movement will connect the anti-imperialist struggle with struggles here at home, right? The struggles here at home. If you're a mother whose son was killed by the police, what wouldn't you do? To have your son back mm. what wouldn't you do you know yeah. and so in that context it seems to me that that attitude maybe not you know with limits right we don't want to run into opportunism or or you know support far-right ideas but in that context i see the urgency to work with certain people that have sketchy politics Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that are unfair to PSL, right? There's people that will tell you, "Hey, PSL is just trying to take to be the bosses of the of the movement." Oh yeah, I hear uh, that. All like if time. you if you work if you work outside of them, boy, you ain't shit. According to <laughs> but if you work with them, you're cool. Yeah, and so it's unfair to have that position, right? To because even if PSL were like that. Even if PSL mm. had, a, had a secret document, if you don't work with us, you ain't shit. <laughs> PSL. You still should work with the Answered Coalition. You right. still should defend the People's Forum. You know, the People's Forum gets attacked by gusanos in Miami. Nobody in Miami knows what the fuck the People's Forum is, but it gets attacked anyway. <laughs> so, like, so even if, if all those things were true, you should still defend the People's Forum. You should still support the Answer Coalition. You should still work with PSL and whatever can be worked with. Because it's not about, in my view, lining up all the ducks. Mm-hmm. It's about getting what you need to get done ASAP imperfectly. Inefficiently at points. But moving forward and getting better through it and getting more effective through it. That, that's the way I see it, but We'll see. History will, will be the next. <laughs> no, you know, I agree with you because I, I'm happy about how big the message got across. Mm-hmm. Very happy about that because it did. It got across. And it's a part of a movement of, especially with the Ukraine war, a lot of Americans, when you see the polls, they're starting to question what makes them so special. Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we dumping all this money into here? 
you know, we spent $2 trillion in Afghanistan for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm glad that it's happening rapidly. You can see the change. People are starting to question a lot faster than they than they were questioning 20 years ago with Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, they were sold on the, well, there's terrorists there. So, you know, 9-11, it was a perfect excuse. But they don't have a perfect excuse for Ukraine besides demonizing Russia. And then people are thinking like, well, dude, it's been a year now. Russia's still there, $100 billion. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? And I'm glad that's happening. So I respect that that, that you know, that rally went down. Yeah. Um, and I get what you're saying. My criticisms were just about the right wing element. And, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I agree. I, I do agree. Um, but it's just, it's just, it was really difficult um, when, when you, when you see, like, I, I understood the criticism because they, they dropped the article on this as well too. From the, I was it the Black Agenda that did an article. You know, Black Alliance for Peace dropped an article, but they were, you know, yeah. Black Alliance for Peace they dropped an article before, like the whole thing. <laughs> like, I feel like it was just a little. How can I put it? It's a little too harsh. It's a little. It was harsh. <laughs> And you can have you can have harsh like discourse. Yo, I was so I was uh um me and some comrades uh that actually one of them had gone to this uh, rally. We were having uh we're just kind of eating, drinking, whatever, you know, drinking moderately, uh in this uh Haitian uh spot in Miami, just like a week ago. And uh one of the one of the comrades was like, Man, I didn't see any black or indigenous leadership in that in that rally. And everybody else said, yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Um, but then somebody went off. Somebody said, okay, and what, what does that mean? Like, okay, and, and what does that mean? Like, does it, like, and I was like, mm, like, there's like ups and downs to this, right? Like, yeah. some people might be like, it was it intentional? Was it like a real racist? Like, yo, man, hey, make sure no black or indigenous people get up on the stage? Or was it these people working with their own circles? Look, if La Rouge movement, for example, says, oh, we're not going to work with PSL, then fuck LaRouche movement. But if mm-hmm. LaRouche movement says, hey, we are willing to work with the Answer Coalition, I think it would be, uh, it would not be if useful to then push away LaRouche. Mm-hmm. I think it would be useful to pull them in, call them in, if you will, and challenge their ideas through common struggle, right? Unity through struggle, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you might get some, you know, white communists that used to be LaRouche's or something. I don't know. I mean, look, we had Norm Chomsky literally speak at uh, uh, like a few of our big uh, national events. So yeah, there's a lot of things that Norm Chomsky has said that I agree with, but there's also a lot of things that Norm Chomsky has said that I disagree with. So if we could get somebody like Norm Chomsky to come on and stuff like that, I, I can see. I, but, but, you know, it has to be – we also have a leadership and we have to abide by the leadership because it's called democratic uh central oh yeah so so you know but i, I so that's why i stayed quiet and didn't say nothing about it because i appreciated the type of attention it was getting you know mm-hmm. that stuff right even but- though i feel like maybe i was incorrect in my criticism so hard like how the uh how bap did it but it 
literally still got the job done in a positive way. So I'm going to give it up to the right wingers on that side for actually, you know, looking like they were on the actual left yeah. compared to the squad. And <laughs> <laughs> they were to the left of the squad. They were left to goddamn near everybody in Congress. Right. They were to the left of, okay, Damn, let me drop a bomb and then we should go because yeah. it's just like yeah. crazy. This is like a tacky slash hot Cheeto slash Indian um, uh, spice shit going on. Look, just that. They were to the left of DSA. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like they would say Miami Sacao at the end. <laughs> <laughs> they were to the left of the DSA. Yeah. Period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holler if you really feeling this. Gotta holler if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holler if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish and Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? 